As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source. This is Mike Russo. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you're not an athletic subscriber, now is the time. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for a dollar a month. Um, Really cool story today on Jared Spurgeon. Um, What are the chances? But he's going to break Nick Schultz's record tonight for most games played by a wild defenseman with 744. And he'll do that in front of Nick Schultz, who is an assistant coach right now, acting as the eye in the sky for the Flyers. But not only that, he's going to do it in front of Mike Yo, his first pro coach and his second wild coach. Um, John Torchetti, uh, his third wild coach. Rick Bronwell, the man who sewed his nameplate on his first ever wild jersey on his NHL debut game in Calgary on his 21st birthday way back on November 29th, 2010. Uh, Nick Sealer, uh, Jared was Nick's first ever development camp roommate. Uh, Jerry Mayhew and, of course, Chuck Fletcher up in the sky. Uh, Tom Minton as well, who worked for the Wild. Uh, he's also in the Flyers front office. And Brent Flair, the assistant GM, uh, who played a huge part in Jared's career as well. Uh, he won't be in the building tonight. He actually called me for the story from Sweden. But the real neat thing about the story is I talked to almost every single one of those people and got their anecdotes and especially their memory from Jared's NHL debut way back in 2010. Remember, he was the 156th pick um, overall in the 2008 draft by the New York Islanders. The Islanders did not sign him. He re-entered the 2010 draft, wasn't drafted by any of the other 30 teams again um, in that draft. And the Wild uh, immediately called Eustace King and Dean Grillo, Jared's agents, um, uh, got him to come to development camp with Tyler Johnson. In fact, uh, his Spokane um, uh, teammate, they won a Memorial Cup together in the Western Hockey League as well. And both of them come to development camp. They were so good. They were invited back for the Traverse City Prospect uh, Tournament. On the first shift of Traverse City, um, Tyler Johnson hurts his shoulder. The Wild decide to send him back, obviously, to Junior because he was hurt. And the guy erupts with like 53 goals and 115 points. And then the Wild got into a bidding war with uh, both the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Detroit Red Wings. And at the time, Steve Eiserman and the Lightning obviously won out. And Johnson had a great career down in Tampa Bay, now playing um, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, but Spurgeon comes to, gets is so good in Traverse City, a, a tournament the Wild won. They bring him to training camp. What are the odds? But Nick Schultz pulls a groin muscle. They throw Jared Spurgeon into an NHL scrimmage. He's so good. They kept on practicing him. And then on September 23rd, 2010, they announced that he signed, they signed him to an entry-level contract. The night before was the Wild's home opener for the preseason. Um, as a reward, they dress him 
in warmups. He didn't play the game, but he sat in the locker room next to uh, Miko Koivu. And what are the odds that Jared, years and years later, winds up replacing Miko as the captain of the Minnesota Wild, the second full-time captain ever? And after that warm-up, by the way, he comes up to the press box and signs his contract. So just a really cool story. Um, and the other part of this story that's really neat is so Tyler Johnson actually wore 46 in development camp in Traverse City. Um, Spurgeon wore 41 in development camp and then got number assigned number 78 for Traverse City and develop and uh, the main training camp. Well, the Wild, um, Tony DaCosta, their equipment manager, and Rick Brownwell, their assistant equipment manager, who is now the equipment manager for the Flyers, well, they carried all these minor league road jerseys uh, just in case guys were called up. Well, they never even thought to bring one for Jared Spurgeon because the guy didn't even play in an exhibition game. So what are the chances that he would ever get called up for a game? And I remember I've told this story a gazillion times. There was a source of mine inside the Wild. Justin Falk got hurt in Denver. We get to Calgary. I get in really late. I text this person. I said, hey, who are you guys calling up to replace Falk? And he writes me back Spurgeon. And I write back LOL, thinking he was kidding. Next morning, they announced Jared Spurgeon was called up for his NHL debut. He walks in. Uh, Danny Spurgeon, his wife, sent me a great picture from that night um, after the game. You'll see how young that Spurgeon looks. It's in that uh, story as well. Um, but what happened is Rick Brownwell just puts out, pulls out the only jersey, white jersey, that, from their trunk that would fit Spurgeon. It was number 46. He throws the nameplate Spurgeon on the back of it. And years later, he's still number 46. First defense partner in that game in his NHL debut. Cam Barker and uh, Mike Yo in the story had the best line. He said that they were watching the game uh, 10 minutes into um, the first period. He turns to Daryl Sador and, and Brian Wiseman as assistant coaches with Houston. He said, oh shit, we're not getting them back. And he didn't basically get him back for the rest of the regular season. He was assigned there because the Wild didn't make the playoffs for the Calder Cup playoffs. And Spurgeon goes down there, great attitude, and they go and make it all the way. The Calder Finals actually had a lead on Binghamton um, and then lost uh, four straight um, to lose the series in the Calder Cup Finals to Kirk Kleinendorf's um, Binghamton Senators at the time. Um, in Game 5, though, Jared uh, sustained a high ankle sprain. So huge loss for them. Um, but really cool story. Again, uh, I quoted everybody from Mike Yo to Rick Bronwell to Brent Flair, to Nick Schultz, to Nick Sealer, and John Trichetti in the article as well. So thanks for all of them for contributing. Hope you read that. And again, if you subscribe to theathletic.com slash straight from the source, a dollar a month if you're not a subscriber right now uh, for the next six months. Um, really um, cool podcast uh, coming today. My guest today is John Trichetti. I've had him on before, so this won't be like an extensive one like the last time I had him on. It'll be more of a catch up. Um, but the other thing that's really cool is that all those voices that you heard talk about uh, Spur that I just talked about with Spurgeon, um, our great producer, Jeff Domet. I sent him all the audio from those and he cut them up and they're going to be in this podcast with Torch as well. Next week, a really, really awesome podcast. I sat down with Miko Koivu the other day for almost an hour um, for a podcast. It's as talkative as you'll ever hear him. You will absolutely love this podcast in advance um, of his number nine going up to the rafters at XL Energy Center uh, next Sunday. Um, it's a 6 p.m. puck drop, a 5 p.m. ceremony before the Nashville Predators. Uh, Jared Spurgeon and Mikhail Granlin will uh, take the opening faceoff from Miko Koivu. That's the only hint I'll give you about what's going to happen in that game. But a lot of really cool people coming to the game, former teammates of Miko. I don't want to break the, I don't want to tell you right now because Miko doesn't know um, um but there's gonna be almost two dozen former teammates of his coming in for the game and also about two dozen family members and friends of miko coming in from finland including his parents and his uh, brother saku uh so it's gonna be an awesome awesome uh night at exology center but miko you are gonna i'm telling you you're gonna love this podcast he cuts open a vein about everything but from uh saku from being in saku's shadows early in his career um, to, I mean, we talk about everything from uh, leadership to Parisian suitor to uh, the scent of different arenas, um, about why he was always kicked out of the faceoff circle and his relationship with linesmen. Um, and he has some cute things to say also about like his children coming to the event. Uh, his son, I'll give you one thing that just sort of like warms your heart. His son actually asked him, he goes, when I play for the wild, does this mean I'm not going to get to wear number nine? I mean, that's just a cool, cool thing. Uh, so again, that podcast will come out probably the middle of next week. I'm thinking the story will run on Thursday uh, for Miko because the wild play back to back Thursday and Friday. And if I don't run it, then it's going to be 
basically be uh, running Saturday or Sunday, which not a lot of people read um, on the weekends uh, at the Athletics. So we will uh, probably run that middle of the week before the road trip. So that one that would be when the podcast comes out too. So I would say probably next Thursday when will be when the article and the podcast comes out. Hope you enjoy those. Um, I think that you absolutely will love it. Uh, Obviously, the Wild are absolutely in the tank right now. They've lost six, uh, seven, four in a row. They are now three points essentially up on a play on falling out of the playoff bubble. They have three games in hand on the Edmonton Oilers, but th- games in hand mean nothing if you're not winning them. And right now, the Wild are not winning these games, so they've got to get their act together. They're not getting great goaltending. They are falling apart defensively. Um, they look like a tired team. Their, um, you know, their depth scoring isn't scoring nearly as much. Their skilled guys are turning pucks over left and right. Um, you know, I don't care that some of them are getting points right now. They're not playing well, um, pretty much up and down the lineup. Now, uh, step in the right direction. Perhaps the other night against the Calgary Flames, they were much, much better, uh, much more competitive. Um, just couldn't score. Their power play stunk. Their penalty killing stunk. But other than that, everything was great. Um, so, uh, and they still lost by four goals. So. Look, the reality is this team is not playing well right now, not winning games, and they better get their act together quick. Um, It's going to be really, really interesting uh, right now with the trade deadline 18 days away. Again, March 21st deadline, 2 p.m. Central is when the deadline um, passes and how Bill Guerin is going to handle this. You know, will this make him less um, likely to give up? He didn't want to give up big time assets before, like his first round pick and top prospects. Will this um, recent play actually stop him make it make it you know less likely for him to go out and say uh, i'm going to give up top prospects for a rental or something like that or would it say would he now go the opposite approach and say well now this team needs my help and i better go out and make a move we'll see um we've talked all year about centers 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 right now ryan hartman's not playing well um their centers have not played well yule erickson x not scoring anymore um you know uh, goudreau is the only one that's really popping in points nico sturm's been in and out of the lineup does he go out and get a center now um, but the other issue that right now is defense. Their defense is really showing cracks. They're, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, Matt Dumb is on the trip. We'll see if he plays um, tonight in Philadelphia or tomorrow in Buffalo or if they just brought him here to get on the ice because he hasn't been on the ice with the team yet and then just plays him because they're not going to practice Saturday. Maybe they just bring him on the trip to, to um you know, get some ice time and play maybe Sunday against the Dallas Stars. We'll see. We'll know that uh, by the time this podcast comes out. But um, even with Dumba coming out back, I wonder if this uh, recent play and the fact that the Wild really look like they need to add a big, uh, tough defenseman, if that would be the type of thing that would make Bill Guerin actually go that route um, and maybe pull even an Alex Goligoski from the lineup who hasn't been playing well lately. Um, we'll see. That would be, uh, you know, sad for a guy like Goligoski. Obviously, his thousandth game is coming up, uh, I think, one or two games left in the season. Um, but it would not shock me even in the second half here or down the stretch if they start actually scratching him just to give him some rest because it looks like his age is starting to catch up. And if that happens, then he probably wouldn't get his thousandth game anyway this year. If they're going to add a defenseman, do they actually maybe even consider trading Goligoski? I think at this point, it's pretty uh, unlikely that they're going to re-sign him. Um, so would they even try to trade him just to not even get an asset, but just to more open up a roster spot to go out and get a defenseman? And then who would that defenseman be? Again, there's a lot of defensemen out there. So I don't think the price is going to be overly um, high for any of these guys. But, you know, the type of defenseman they need would be, to me, a rugged, bigger type defenseman. So, you know, I'm not talking like John Klingbergs or people like that. Um, you know, would they go out or even a Hampus Lindholm? Um, but would they go out and, and get a Ben Sherat? Would they go out and get a, um, a Giordano or a Chara or something like that? Um, the guy that's impressed me the last couple of games, the Wild played Calgary is Nikita Zadorov, who's a rental, but I can't imagine. I, to me, Calgary is obviously going to keep him. I don't think he gives something like that up. Um, <clears throat> let's see, Ristolainen, somebody that's out there. I'm going through the list. Ian Cole's out there, but uh, again, Carolina's in a playoff uh uh, you know going to make the playoffs would they really want to give him up i don't think so just to get an asset unless they wanted to you know open up a a roster spot um good branson's out there but again you know it's calgary trading him they're they're looking poised to go a long way and then there are other guys like jack johnson mark Stahl, andy green josh manson's somebody that's interesting that would be somebody i look at um 
just going up and down the line, up and down the free agent list for defense right now. There's so many, though. Like, I just don't think the prices are going to be um, really, really big. You know, somebody that I would actually consider is maybe Nick Sealer. Talk about mean and rugged, and he's in the last year of his deal. That might be somebody I'd consider. It'd be super cheap to get. Um, maybe you get him on a package with closure, right? Uh, who knows? Um, that's something else. The other thing that's got to improve is their goaltending. Like, I mean, look, I, you know, I agree with Dean the other night. Three of those goals were bang-bang plays, although on the fourth goal, I think Nick, I, I think Cam was too deep in his net. Um, but the third goal just needs to be stopped. I know there were a ton of breakdowns. Awful icing, just careless, careless icing. Lost face-off. Addison... You know, looked like he was, uh, you know, uh, undersized there on that that lost uh, battle with Makachuk, and then they leave uh, Lindholm completely wide open. But that's just a play where 21 seconds after you get the crowd in the game and you're feeling good about yourself, you need your goalie to make a save there. And I know that it was a bang bang play, but you know what? Jacob Markstrom made a bunch of saves that he shouldn't have, and the, that uh, they just got better goaltending, and that's been uh, too often lately. So they just need better goaltending, um, you know, right now from Cam Talbot, and we'll see uh, what happens. I assume Cam Capo Kakinen starts tonight in Philly. Uh, we'll see. We'll know by the end of this podcast, and then we'll see if he plays well, if they start him again um, in Buffalo, or if they come back with Cam Talbot. We'll, we'll see. Um, Again, Miko Koivu next week. This podcast has John Torchetti, but also a bunch of different audio um, from my interviews about Jared Spurgeon and the record that he is breaking in front of Nick Schultz tonight, breaking Nick Schultz's games played record amongst defensemen, and well on his way to eventually breaking Miko Koivu's team record for games played. Um, Jared Spurgeon will uh, do that. There's no doubt about it. It was, what, six more years left on his deal? I think that'll happen. Um, without further ado, we'll go to John Torchetti, but here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As I mentioned from the top, I wrote a really, really cool story today with a lot of the uh, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, or basically Minnesota East here in Philly, um, with a lot of the voices from the Flyers talking about Jared Spurgeon. I talked to Mike Yo and Rick Bronwell, Nick Schultz, Brent Flair, Nick Sealer, John Torchetti, uh, Jerry Mayhew. Um, and and Spurgeon himself, obviously, as well, about Nick uh, breaking, uh, excuse me, Jared breaking Nick Schultz's games played record tonight for defenseman, 744, well on his way to Miko Koiva's record of 1,028, overall team record for games played. And um, the really cool part of talking to all these guys is that they were all made huge impacts on Jared's career and all were very, very instrumental to his unexpected NHL debut um, on his 21st birthday on November 10th, uh, November 29th. 2010 and this is a kid that uh was baby-faced his wife danny sent me a really cool picture for the article as well of of uh, a picture of of jared and his family and danny's family after that nhl debut in calgary where he's cam barker's um uh defense partner and it's just a really neat story um about how he got called up and how amazing it is that this baby-faced undrafted once 20 year old that was an inch from signing in europe uh will break nick schultz's record tonight in front of him and and now he's captain of the team. Um, and so let's uh, start off with uh, some some sound from the article. Um, first, here is Mike Yo. I remember there's obviously some, some questions about like, well, you know, we have these other guys that are prospects and they're they're you know big guys, but it was it was it was pretty clear it was hands down that he was he was the most deserving that he you know he was the best player at that time. And I give uh, Chuck and Flaherty a lot of credit for you know for sticking with that um, because some people just go on you know this guy's more of a prospect or mm-hmm. uh, you know because there was a lot of questions whether a guy his size could play you know 
and uh, and I remember um, me, Daryl, and, and Brian Wiseman, Daryl Fedora and Brian Wiseman, we were, you know, obviously we knew how valuable um, Spurge was to our team, and I think that his first game was in Calgary, is that right? Yep, 21st birthday. Yeah, yeah. so uh, obviously you're, you're super excited for him to get that opportunity, we're super excited for him to play the game, and I think we got about 10 minutes into the first period, and I turned to those guys, and I said, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> said, we're not getting this guy back now. Yeah. Like, it was, it was that obvious that he, that he just was an NHL player right, right. from the get-go. Yeah. yeah, and and what's funny is that you, he did stay right the rest of the regular season, and then he came back and really it helped you guys yeah. go all the way to the Calder Finals, if I remember right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was a big part of that. I think he got hurt in the finals, if I remember. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but uh, but he was obviously a huge huge part of that, and and that's and that's his that's his character, and that's his way. Some guys, you know, they they think that now they've made it and they've done their job and they come back to the minors and they don't you know it's not I don't want to say it's as important to them but I mean he came back and and played like you know for us like it was still his first NHL game or he was still playing to prove himself and um, you know that's that's the character that he has that's why you know one of the many reasons why I'm so happy for him to be wearing a C right now because talk about a guy who's the only reason he's wearing it is just because it's deserved yeah yeah. You know, it's pure and simple. He's deserved it. Yeah. And just lastly, I mean, I, like, and I don't know if you're, uh, the, well, there are two things I want to ask you. Is one, I remember actually a story where I think your first year in the NHL, um, there was a bunch of kids that practiced. Pominville and, and Spurgeon's kids were playing together, and you actually asked, like, who, who's that kid? You didn't even know Spurgeon had kids at that point, right? <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, that's how quiet he is. Like, none of yeah. us even knew that he, I'm like, that's Spurgeon's kid, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's so funny. Um, how cool is it also, like, you know, that he's breaking this record in front of, like, I mean, essentially, your first year as a pro head coach in, the, in Houston, he's with you, but then you come up right away and take over really his first full year in the NHL and it yeah. really felt like you know your NHL career as a head guy and his career as a player really um, sort of correlated and now he's doing this in front of you in front of Torch yeah. in front of Schultz in front of Fletcher you know uh, in front of Tricky Rick who sold his yeah. nameplate on that jersey for the first time it's kind of neat it's, it's pretty ironic for yeah. sure and uh, for me I, I, I'm I'm obviously incredibly happy for him and I'm excited that I get to to, to you know be part of it and, and be there for it um, you know you, you don't you don't really hear about this a lot but like especially you know when you've had a player in the minors or you've coached a player for a long time like I, like I did with Spurge um, you know you even if you don't like keep in contact a lot but you all those players always um, you know have a special place in your heart you yeah know, because you've you've been through a lot together and you you really do still continue to to follow them and care for their success and and uh you know watch how their career develops and and, and obviously cheering for those guys and, and there's nobody out there that you'd want to cheer for more than spurge you know yeah. he's just such a humble hard-working character person um and uh, and just such an easy guy to coach day in and day out you you almost have to force yourself to to go talk to him because you, you know you know quite often you spend your time trying to go to motivate somebody or you know try to you know get somebody back on track because uh, they're maybe not doing the right thing here or there you know as a coach you you, you can't allow yourself just to you know just assume that you know even though he's going to do the job night after night and uh and, rarely messes up you have to go over and find something to talk about him you know it's go up to him and maybe ask how the coffee is today or something but (laughs) he's so low maintenance that's that's the way he is uh, you know to coach thanks to mike yo and here is one cool cool dude one of the funniest uh people in minnesota wild lore former equipment manager assistant equipment manager uh rick brownwell he's now the equipment manager the head guy the head honcho for the philadelphia flyers so when I first got there, Tony was a guy that always packed game jerseys. Uh-huh. And that was because Brent just got let go that summer. And Tony was like, I'll pack game jerseys. And I kind of took that over after the first couple of years, and which was nice because Tony trusted me to do it. But that's the one thing. Like, he's he's packing the game jerseys. He's like, there's no way in hell it's just Spurgeon. Who fucks a Spurgeon? Is that kind of call mm-hmm. And you know that whole story. We've said it a million times. But, yeah, we, he said Spurgeon getting called up. We're like, um... We don't have his jersey. Fuck. 
Okay. Well, what are we gonna do? Okay. Well, I got a lettering kit, so let's throw a nameplate. Well, what number do we get? What number do you wear in training camp? Seventy-eight. Oh, fuck. We don't have seventy-eight. Okay. Well, what do we have? It's easy without a nameplate on it. Forty-six. That's how you got forty-six. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nuts how that works. And he's just like, I'll stick with it. And now you're seeing a ton of forty-sixes in life. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's part. I, I would think partial that's got to be Spurge. Yeah. Like. Uh, I don't know. Like I just saw one the other night in Washington. Somebody's wearing 46. That's funny. Um, yeah. What are, what are your, uh, like, um, I mean, that that is the funny, like, when he shows up in that locker room in Calgary, I mean, I remember thinking, like, what? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just hilarious. Um, yeah. Oh, they're giving up already, November. Yeah. Calling up the fucking four foot five defenseman that ends up being captain like are you like i mean what what a story though he he just writes it himself he's just such a good dude yeah can i put all that to the the jokes oh if you want no i mean if you if you no if you want to you can i mean he'll probably be like fuck off no i think he'll funny He'll find. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I if I ca- and now he's captain, that would make it. I mean, now it's because I think that's how everybody uh, thought of him. You know? Yeah. Well, everybody looked at him like this short, little, young kid, and my dad still to this day goes, he always loved Spurgey because he looks like just a boy. Like he's yeah. just this little boy, and he's like thirty years old, and he still looks like he's freaking sixteen, seventeen years old. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, it really is. So, yeah, exactly. I, I think that the, that idea for your story too is. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Especially, I can't believe he's doing it with all those guys, too. Like, it's on Philly. It's yeah. It's Philly against us, and, like, half of the fucking management is is used to work with him. Yeah. And actually, he's surpassing the guy that has been on the bench, but he's now been up the eye on this guy. Schultz, he was on the bench there for, like, two or three weeks after they let go of Oh, so now he's in the... In AB. The, yeah. Okay. So now on the bench, we have Yozy. Uh, well, we brought Torch in, obviously, and then... Um, um, so USA Torch and then Daryl Williams are on the bench. Thanks, Rick. And here's the man of the hour, Nick Schultz, who will be in the building tonight when Jared Spurgeon breaks his uh, his record for defenseman games played. They were like, wow, this kid's going to come up and play. Like, he's not going to have a chance. And he was incredible. Obviously, how he plays his, played his whole career, he played in that first game, right? Just so so poised positionally. Like a, a smaller smaller guy, you got to be so good positionally and good stick and Awareness, and he had had all that. I mean, he just played lights out right from that, right from that first game. So um, it was pretty. I'm, I'm sure him walking in, just the way his his baby face that he still has now. I don't know if he ever ages, but he just you know coming in, he was he was just so effective right from the right from the start. I think guys just kind of you know after he played that first game knew this knew he was he was for real. So it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive the career he's carved out. Now he's captain of the team. It's it's pretty pretty fun to to watch his career kind of. From, from that first game. I mean, I mean that, and that even from afar, like Nick, it had to be like, you know, there's no way that you would have known that day that he was going to be the second full-time captain in wild history. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it is amazing what he's, what he's done. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think his maturity that he has, uh, he was someone I know I went through with my brother that he, you know, he had a, had a kid at a young age, right? Became a dad at a young age. I think that probably, you know, kind of speeds up your maturity and stuff too. And I think he just had that. He was, you know, started his family at a, at a young age and him and Danielle's wife have a great, you know, I think four kids now or whatever. So just probably that, that maturity level that he had, even though he had that young look to him, he was just, you know, kind of mature beyond his, beyond his years. And he played, played like that right from the, right from the start. And you still kind of see it in his game. And he just probably has that kind of mentality, that kind of father figure mentality. And, you know, that's kind of always how he's, how he's been and carried himself probably from a, from a young age. And you see that kind of, probably goes over to his leadership qualities with the with the teams and last but not least here is spurge um obviously very grateful for the opportunity they gave me and just the belief they had in me and um from coach coaching me and just giving me a little subtle hints and then chuck and flares just having i guess the the faith uh-huh. for me to come up and actually give me an opportunity when yosi did recommend me so um i obviously wouldn't be here without them and then you have Schultz, who was just such a great veteran guy to come into a locker room with. He was always welcoming and 
um, just easy to talk to if he had questions, little things after practice with things that he he saw that could help with my game, and um, forever grateful for that. And then you have Ricky, that was just he's such a great guy. He's always happy, um, no matter how the day's going. You look at him and he's having a smile on his face, joking yeah. around, and he can definitely change the mood in the room. Was it Yo that? How did you find out you were making your NHL debut? Uh, Yo, we had played the night before, and I had a phone call from Mike and. Um, sort of not sure what was going on. Um, obviously, we had a, a weekend of games, and uh, he let me know I was getting called up, and not sure if I was going to play or, or anything uh-huh. like that, and um, just exciting, and I looked at the schedule, and it happened to be in Calgary, so that was even better to... And on your that. 21st birthday. Yeah, have the family. Yeah. Uh, my family was gone, but Danielle and yeah. her parents came up with Zach, so that was pretty fun. Because your parents were visiting... My Tuck. brother, yeah, they were yeah. over in Austria, so I sent them a message, phoned them, and they stayed up and watched the game over uh-huh. there together, so that was pretty special. Yeah, you know, you come here as an undrafted player, you know, everybody, nobody knew who the hell you were when you made your NHL debut, and, and you know, seven your deal captain and now you're going to have the all-time you know well on your way to probably the all-time games played for the organization and you know number two now and passing Schulte yeah. uh, I think just taking it never taking it for granted um, mm-hmm. especially like you said from almost not being able to even continue to play pro and maybe going to school to have the opportunity that Chuck and Flair's gave me just to come and come for a trout and then continue on to Traverse City that um, I don't take it for granted every day special and uh, I think that's what's so enjoyable to to come in and um, just enjoy your time here and work on your craft and um, the only thing missing now is winning. Well, Torch, last time we did one of these podcasts, we were actually at my house. I know, with, nice spot. Yeah. <laughs> Great spot. <laughs> um, man, it's just so weird seeing you in a Flyers jersey. I, I know, I yeah. know, but... Uh, Flyers, I should say, coach's outfit. Yeah, but it's uh, it's ironic to swear we won the cup, so, and uh, the whole family yeah. is here for it, and... Uh, a special building for yep. me. Patrick King coming down the left wing. It's in the net he's yelling. It's in the net. We're like, I don't even know if that went in. <laughs> but yeah, what a moment. And uh, that's why this building and probably one of the biggest moments was when they, they split the national anthem with uh, Kate Smith. Yeah. Lauren Hart. It was yep. unbelievable. Yeah. Like, uh, I couldn't believe because me and my dad used to watch her and go, oh, can't wait to see her one day. And next thing you know, she's doing the game. So that was the moment yeah. for me. When you, uh, it's funny. So last night when I put out a tweet asking for questions, I, I just almost as a joke, I put all your NHL teams oh. like, you know, this, uh, like where you were an interim where you're like, so guess who sent me that tweet? <laughs> who? Flairsy. Yeah. <laughs> Of all things, I'm like, here we go. You're starting off already. I was like, he's in Europe. I said, you're still thinking about me and you're in Europe. (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, this is how you know that Brent Flair is a different person. He actually called me from Sweden for my Jared Spurgeon story, Torch. Like, when Flair's, he's willing to call me from Sweden. But that one goes back a long way, too, though, uh, from him being in Spokane and Flair's, he's saying, hey, this kid's a real deal. And, you know, and it was always small, he's small, you know, always the, you know, the train that could, and that, that's, you know, identifies him as a person and just as a player, but uh, shows you, you know, flares you with the, the scouting he's done with some of the players, like, like, act. Ekman, you know, yeah, you know, so just just Granlin, how yep. he's really turned out. Yeah, these work. Oh, you mean Europe, Erickson Eck? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a great example of like yeah. I, I, I remember. Mac, I don't yeah. Know, yeah, so I was sitting with with Brent Flair in Anaheim once watching a practice, and I be, I was doing a story basically comparing Brock Besser to Yule Erickson Eck, and like Brent even couldn't believe that I was even entertaining such a story. He's like, just trust me, this kid is going to be a stud. And look at him now. He's one of the best centers, two-way centers in the league. And and Granny's the same way. Their work ethic, it just takes over their game. Mm -hmm. You just see it when they're young. Like I've seen, we've seen that at, you know, development camp with Eck, you know. So I think that, uh, you know, he has a good eye for that talent. Hopefully he finds us a good one for this year's draft. So when you go to all these different teams, I mean, do you, like, when they, like, put you through the HR process, do you, like, I know how to onboard myself. I've done it, like, 50 times. (laughs) No, it's it's pretty – you know, this time I was out a year, though. You know, and and again, you know, when you get older, you want to pick the right – spot with the right people i just don't want to take a job and be a puck pusher no right. anyone can be that but uh like with yosie i've worked with him for years and uh he's been great mm-hmm. you know what you know you bring ideas he looks them over and then you know if he wants to make moves he makes moves but uh he's been fantastic and it's easier because i already know how he's gonna coach. yeah 
Yeah. Isn't it, um, it's amazing how, how this league on how relationships always continue, even if there are the tough moments where you let yeah. somebody go. Like I remember when Chuck let go Mike Yo, there's a great story about them sitting in the office, basically sharing a beer and sharing a cry, yeah. you know, and here, you know, a couple months later, you don't get the job over Bruce yeah. and you know, who knows if that relationship is done, but it's not all of a sudden now the you replace Mike Yo, but now you're on his yeah. bench here in Philly by the coach that let you both go by the well, GM that let you both go. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's just the, the hockey world. And, uh, but I mean, uh, staying in communication and just trust and, you know, they know that, uh, you know, hopefully I did a good enough job for them and many and the fans who I dearly miss tell them. Yeah. I loved Minnesota and, uh, so a lot of fun there, but, uh, you know, the, working with good people is everything moving forward in your career. Now I'm not at the stage where, uh, you know, winning, winning is everything, still, mm -hmm. but, uh, teaching is everything to me. And I just, uh, have a great opportunity here with, uh, the organization giving me an opportunity and, and, and Yoji knowing me and uh, yeah. knowing I'm going to work hard for him. And uh, hopefully we uh, get to stay here and build this team. The yeah. Right way. Um, so how did, how did this all come around? Were you like, uh, all of a sudden, were you checking on your 15, 20 condos and all of a sudden uh, you, get, you get a call from Chuck Fletcher? Like, well, I wonder what this I is about. There's poolside in Naples <laughs> in my condo. So good spot. But uh, truthfully, uh, no, we'd seen uh, that there was changes and then uh, I just, wanted to, you know watch i didn't want to call and uh you know i was interested for sure yeah and then i text flares and flares yeah i think yozy's you know gonna be looking so call him up but mm -hmm. that's between you and yozy which you know a good wow. friend does gives me the recommendation and move from there then it's up to me so i text yozy and um just said hey if, you, if you're looking for help i don't even need to be there i'll do whatever you want because I'm at home watching these games anyway, buddy. I can send you some notes. And he's like, yeah, good idea. And I I want to talk to you. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'm interested. And then uh, probably about seven, eight days went by, and my dad was sick. And so uh, my dad ended up passing away. So oh, I just sorry. left it alone. I left mm -hmm. it alone. I didn't – I wasn't even in – and I just said, hey, I'm still interested. And he goes, yeah, let me talk to you after this week. And then he, when he texted me, I was like, I'm probably not interested this week. I just need some time because, you know, you lose your best friend. It's the craziest mm -hmm. thing in your life. So – and it uh, makes me better person now coaching because I appreciate it more. Yeah. So, but uh, then Yozu was like, are you interested? I said, yeah, I'm interested. I'm good now. And he says, well, I want you to come in. Chuck's going to call you. And I'm like, great. All fired up. And uh, it's been great. Been yeah. a lot of fun and just good to be back in a room, you know. And something you needed, I'm sure. Oh, now, yeah. With, with after yeah, you oh, yeah. your dad. Big time, big yeah. time. Because it's just someone you talk to four times a week. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're not. So, yeah. but um, it's, been, it's been a, you know, it's great to be back in a league you know, it's a quicker league, uh, you know, more offensive, you know, playing fast, fast, which is the way we like to play. So mm -hmm. those are things. And, uh, you know, we're starting to get some injured guys back, which is building our puck possession time, which is building our offense now. And now, now we just got to keep working on our structure like we've been doing and uh, keep getting special teams, making make sure that's a big priority moving forward and playing better in our defensive zone so we can be in the offensive mm -hmm. zone. And your mom's in town. Yeah, yeah. She's um, – she's – She'll be watching the game tonight. She wants a power play goal because I'm running a power play now. So, but uh, but funny story since we were talking about her, um, we were playing Detroit, my second game, and uh, we didn't have a very good game. It was after the break. We won the first game, and then we came back from a five day break, and our guys didn't look well. My mom goes, uh, "Can I tell you something?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "What's that, mom?" And she goes, uh, "Well, I just wanted to let you know I'm glad you're back in the league, but." your team played like when you were with the Red Wings. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> the Red Wings are there. I said, well, Mom, that's what happens when you get on teams that aren't winning. You have to get them better. That's why the Red Wings are better. She goes, yeah, but I just felt like you were back in Detroit again. <laughs> that's my that's mom. That's hilarious. Is she, uh, like Dean always tells really funny stories about her mom, you know, his mom, like, like you know, basically like, like critiques the power play wants to diagram plays even my mom will oh, sit there and like tell yeah. me like analyze stuff and I'm sure it's the same with she, yours she's hard on the goalies yeah and i always tell her you don't get to see the play like they don't see the tips and stuff that's uh -huh. why i'm not as hot on goalies like i have well 
actually Freddie Shabbat, who's your goalie coach uh, from Minnesota. Yeah, you we brought him to him, uh, you yeah, brought him Minnesota. I love Freddie, and uh, you know he's like Torch. That's actually not a bad goal. And I'm like, how's that? A, there's no goal. Good goal, <laughs> Freddie. You know, and then he would explain it in his French uh, <laughs> dialect, and then I'd laugh at him. Go, you know what? I just learned something. Yeah, so you, you don't take it as hard, but uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm a you know, my dad's even, hey, that power play is even going to be better next year, even after we won the cup here. So yeah. it never ends. Yeah. Yo, uh, yo, I asked him if he's having trouble understanding you or anything. Like, all, you know, all of them. <laughs> I mean, even, uh, you know, uh, but I got Yandel and I have Hayes. Uh -huh. So they're used to that kind of uh, lingo. But, uh, <laughs> and I tell the guys all the time. And, um, but we're shaping, you know, like our power play, we've had, we probably should have five or six goals yeah. in eight, eight games, but uh, just no puck luck. Yeah. Like I told the boys today, if anyone knows a puck luck, God, let me know his name so I can call him. Yeah, no doubt about it. The Wild lately have had a lot of issues with that. I was just talking to Nick Sealer, um, and I know you didn't have him you know, with the Wild organization, but here's a guy that took an entire year off last yeah. year, you know, really to... You know, I mean, and, and I'm going to sit down with Nick this summer and do a big story about yeah. why it took a year off. But, I mean, for him to come back in this league, yeah. get a goal. We saw how excited everybody yeah. was when he scored last week. Fantastic yep. skater. Yep. I mean, honestly. You mean. Know, play physical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they probably, Flyers fans and, probably love him. And now and now he's just building his game. Just got to settle down in certain areas. But like, he wants to be aggressive. But those are all, you know, a year off for us. But. He has all the attributes to be yeah. a solid player for us moving forward. Yeah. How about Jerry Time, Jerry Mayhew? Yeah, Mayhew, he's great. I know Flairsy and them had him down there. And great speed uh, is now, you know, getting into his role a little bit more and understanding and knowing, like, you know, he's here. So, you know, try and get a job for next year mm -hmm. full time. Yep. As I mentioned, I got Twitter questions. Uh, somebody asked, yep. what, what made you get into coaching? We know you were a great, great minor league player. You scored uh, a thousand goals for Rick Dudley's uh, teams down in North, in North Carolina, Winston-Salem, yep. well, right? Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's where it started with Duds. I mean, uh, I know I owe him a lot, but I mean, I used to stay up on the bus. Duds drove the bus. <laughs> yeah. Duds is uh, assistant GM with Florida Panthers. Now is my GM on many teams. But um, I think that overall it was just uh, how he – coached you know and, mm -hmm. and i tell the guys here you know still i said i'm passionate even on a, a breakout film that's mm -hmm. the bottom line i mean i love to teach and i and i and i just feel like i owe it to the players because they work hard first in the game and i owe it to the coaches because you know they brought me in on their staff and uh i just want to bring more and uh keep hopefully to make the uh, organization better gns uh, what what made you get the most out of uh alice hovenoff because he's somebody that just it doesn't seem like it's coming together right now for the wild organization yeah it's you know it, you had the, him in moncton the, a few years yeah you know what yeah. uh, again you got to put the time in and you know there's a lot of he's a lot of maintenance mm -hmm. but Again, when you got a young kid that's in between and then you show him how to diet right, work hard, and, I mean, he got rewarded with he was probably the best player in the Quebec League. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I talked to him during the, the time, and mm -hmm. I just told him, you just don't understand this code. If you get in shape the next month, you could still be up there in November. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you, you always, you know, hopefully they get it sooner than later which some kids get the curve yeah you know some kids get it at 22 some get it at 28 yeah for for you guys i hope he gets it in the next year or two but yeah. he's, he's he should want to be in that lineup but again he's 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 got a what he does off the ice training you know bomber and i talked about i love bomber to death because the bomber does a hell of a job for the organization and uh you know he, it's up to the player sometimes too yeah and uh, yeah. because he can be he can be a top six player for you guys. Yeah, it's a shame that it's happened with Sokolov too that they had down there and he just never got his act together yeah, physically it's, and it's yeah. It's 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 tough, you know, and, and, and we again, saw it in Florida. I don't know if like were you around during the Ivan Novoselsev, Dennis Shvitky oh, days? Yeah. yeah, I mean those guys, you know, all the talent in the world. Do you even know the story with no. Shvitky? No. Who's from the Ukraine podcast, by the way? Folks, so here yeah. you go. Yeah. So Shvitky's a first rounder. Mm -hmm. Dud says hey, torch just work with this kid. So finally I just bring him in because Super talent, you know everything yeah. about him. Novo was more just play fast and didn't right. really know where he was going to finish. Right? <laughs> so, Could wind up going through the yeah, glass. Yeah. So, so long story short, any big passion yeah. for the game. But um, Svicky said to me, "I said, so tell me what's what's going on. How do you how do you work during?" It? He goes, "Well, Torch, honestly, I have my." 
gray time, I have my black time, and I have my white time. <laughs> I said, okay, here we go. So now I'm like, okay, now we're getting into the player. This is what coaches do. So I said, so tell me about, you know, your times. And, you know, he picks the collar. He says, well, this time means I'm feeling it, dude. I'm all over it. No, nothing's going to happen tonight. And I said, okay, what about this collar? And he's like, well, and really not into the game as much, but I'll play. <laughs> and then I go, okay, so what is, you know, okay, so gray is not your good time. And he goes, yeah, when I'm feeling gray, uh, I probably shouldn't play. So I said, so when you're feeling gray, should you come in and tell me and I not dress you? He goes, maybe that's a good idea. So wow. he just built off that. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, and I was like, you know, I got to find in between your black and white time because I need that all the time. Yeah. And he's like, well, we can work on that. And that's how you built your relationship. But, yep. but I mean, there was a lot more behind him because his dad had passed away yeah. very young yep. from a tough situation. And it, he never became friends with anyone. I said, have you gone to lunch with anyone yeah. in this locker room yet? Yeah. He goes, no, not really. And I said, why don't you invite four or five guys out tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, we became part, but that's how it builds. You got you to gotta know your players, not just on the ice, yeah. outside. And that's why, like, you know, we talk about Havanoff. He was that guy for me. I, yeah. I went because I know I needed him, Mikey. Mm. If I don't have him, you know, this kid this kid drove the power play. I mean, he just – and same thing, you know, and uh, hopefully he gets it finally and – yeah, yeah. Schwitke is an interesting guy. I, I just um, looked him up on on Instagram. In Florida. Yeah, he lives in Florida. Teaching, uh, <clears throat> hockey. yeah, hockey, and uh, he had all the skill in the world. And I'm about to reach out to him because I want to do a big story, but I'm giving him a little time. It's really tragic looking at his Instagram. He put a story up the other day of his sister and his little nephew basically hiding in a bomb shelter in the Ukraine, and it was just yeah. it, it was hard. And he's a he's the biggest sweetheart. Yeah, you know, he's a sweetheart of a guy. Like, I mean, he yeah. he cares about, like, he comes in, you know, we used to be funny. We used to put, uh, because back then it was, uh, Keenan was up there. So remember, Keenan would call five guys up for a game and didn't even dress up. Yep. So on the, on the when they come in, I had a psychiatrist in or out, and they had to move the button. And and that was my front door of my office. It was, it was a lot of fun. You get five guys sent down. They're up there for two games, and they didn't even get played. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, that was a tight quite the situation covering Mike down there yeah. made me a better beat writer though oh, because he had a, yeah, had a thick skin I, a lot I got of, called I, yeah. I, I learned a great deal from yep. Mike I mean that's 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 what it's all about taking a piece of somebody and and yep. and, and, and taking it and and weaving it into yep. your bat you know your basket yeah it, you know it was very educational for me covering him because you know before that I had guys like Dwayne Sutter and and um, you know Doug McClain Brian Murray Terry Murray like all these people that you just got along with as a coach and Mike was the first one that I quarreled with and it really it made me you know realize that you gotta stand up for what you believe and yeah. be accountable to yeah. and and if he has a problem with you you know be a man and step and let oh, him rip first, in the end first class I yep. mean like in the rink pitbull but yep. get it outside yep. the rink he was he was in Deerfield take you to restaurants, yeah, best wine. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And wow. I remember I saw him at a draft years Loved after win, I man. covered him. Loved the yeah, win. Years after I covered him and I was a little nervous going up to him and he yeah. gave me a big hug and yeah. you know, like oh, I, no, you know, I thought he hated my guts. No, and, uh, no, he's, that's yeah. the part that people, Oh, I am Mike. Yeah. I am Mike. You know, like he'd see a rookie at one of the best stories in Boston, right? He'd see a rookie in the uh, trainer's room mm -hmm. and they're just putting a, like a bomb on their legs. All right, you're not dressing tonight. Yeah. Like, what are you doing in here? You're a rookie. And yeah. You kind of get that. You don't want them hanging out in the trainer's room because mm -hmm. then they think it's normal, right? Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Everyone, to me, made sense. Absolutely. Um, one last Janice Fricky story, then I just got a couple last yeah. questions for yeah, you, then I'll ahead, let buddy. you get on with we your day. We do this all day. Yeah, I know. know. This you is like us talking. The yeah, fans yeah. don't know this, so we're texting yeah, during I, the game. Exactly. <laughs> Um, the thing <laughs> I do got to go over and get Dean. I'll probably miss Dean actually at this point, uh, because this could go on for a while, but, um, let me, uh, ask you one last Dennis Tricky story. I'll never forget this as long as I live. So they draft. So we're at the draft in like, God, it was like Buffalo or Boston, wherever they drafted, uh, Shvicky. 
And we're interviewing Terry Murray before the draft, and he tells us that there's going to be an English-only rule in the locker room next, the, that oh, season. Yeah. Do you remember this story? Good luck with that. And so, like, and and there were, and, and, well, that's what happened. There were so many Russians on oh. that team and so many Europeans on that team, and everybody was speaking their own language that Terry came up with this thing that he – and I love Terry. But Terry came up with this rule that, that only English would be allowed to be spoken in the locker room, so there were no more just like, you know, Kozlov talking to Pavel and Val and, and, and stuff like that. And 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 the other Europeans as well. You know, remember they added some Czech guys too, like Spachik and oh, yeah. Svala and all. Oh, of them. Yeah, so he all. came up with this rule. And then what do you know? Like an hour later, they draft Dennis Shvicky in the first round from the Ukraine. We go over to interview Dennis, and he doesn't speak a lick of English. <laughs> he <laughs> and, didn't know the rule. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I remember turning to David J. Neal and Brian Begain, the Palm Beach Post and the Miami Herald writers, and I'm like, "This is not going to go well with the English only rule." Yeah, Kavasha yeah. was there. Yeah. Man, you had a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, old Kavasha and uh, Koz, Kozlov, yeah. Kazi. Yeah, man, there was some uh, Don't don't kill me, Mark Parrish, but best trade Brian ever made. Right, Brian Murray traded uh, for Roberto. I'm going Ole Jokin and for Ole Kavash and Mark Parrish. Wow. You know? I didn't know yeah. that. No, yeah. Unbelievable trade. Um, somebody asked uh, any good Russo stories. I'll put you on the spot. Any good Russo stories you remember? Well, I can tell them, but... <laughs> It'd probably be more what you and Flairzy and yeah, uh, yeah. a couple like if fans knew the no, battles that happened just, behind the scenes. Well, no, but you're doing your job. Yeah. They don't understand, you know, like th that's why I've always respected you. I've known you, I don't know, twenty years now. Yeah. But I mean that you got to get what you get, and it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't take offense to it. Yeah. And that and that's the bottom line because you care. That's why, like I even told you, when I when you were going to the athletic, I said, "Are you getting stock in this company?" Yeah. <laughs> because you know, <laughs> leaving the Tribune was yeah. big, and I mean, you're a big name, and you got great follow. They follow you because you care about the sport of hockey. Yeah. But I mean, that that's with me to you. That's why I'm always honest to you. And, yeah. and like to me, you. You just can't cover up things, and you just you you get the truth out of everybody, yeah. and that's what you want. And that's what I, you know, like 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 as a beat writer, you just try not to be personal, and you hope at the end because look, the, I mean, this is a weird business, right? Like every coach is going to be fired, every GM oh, is going to be fired. I, I always find it funny you have this grand press it's not conference. Your fault yeah, for exactly. The drum, that's and, your job. Yeah, to beat and so the drum. like you just hope that at the end that you're still friends or yeah. or t tight with the person you covered. And like I had, the, I had a great conversation with Doug Risebrow, um in the press box in Cal the other day and and you know i realized so you know this is somebody that i really respected when i covered him and he and i definitely had a falling out yeah. didn't talk for years and just even the other day when i was interviewing him it was like almost it felt back comfortable like back when i was covering him yeah. you know it was just no, cool but that's but people don't understand that's your job yeah i mean someone else is gonna do it yep. you do it better than everybody else well, I that's appreciate my compliment that to you and that <laughs> and that's just the bottom line somebody has to get it out there and like i for me to you out of respect, when I tell you is this off the record, yep. then you, you say yes or no. And, and it's my fault if I say it. Right. Exactly. Um, we both have vowels in our last name, so we're both Italian. Uh, Hideki <laughs> asks, what's your favorite homemade dish? Oh, God. Well, I'm, I'm, I'd say chicken palm all day long. Yep. That's that's the bottom line. With fettuccine Alfredo, though. Yep. I don't do this. I want, I want the... 40,000 calories. <laughs> um, somebody wants to know if you have any great San Antonio iguana stories from your days in the CHL. Oh, yeah. Many. Many. <laughs> uh, my first game. Forgot my suit. <laughs> I was running around. I took over a team. They had lost, I think it was 13 in a row, too. That was uh -huh. like, like I said. And um, just running around. I had players that wanted to leave the team because it was in last place. I had players that weren't getting paid right. Mm -hmm. So just run, going to get... Like you're in charge of immigration, their apartment, their sheets, their kitchen stuff. It was amazing. Dogs, can mm -hmm. have dogs. And I'm running around, running around. Forgot my suit first game of the year. And get the bus driver and we're downtown buying a suit and just make it in before the game to uh, talk to the players. And I said, let me tell you something, boys. <laughs> I've been here for three days and all I've been doing is getting everything done for you. I want to see some hockey now <laughs> in so many terms. And, and I said, so you work hard for me. We will work hard for you. But that was one of my best stories. And then uh, the Riverwalk was the best place in town. And yeah. I used to tell the boys, we win tonight, boys. 
it's mine. You got the rest of the city. But and then you could use it as warfare with them on a Saturday night and tell them, you know what? We have some all off. The river walk's yeah. all yours as long as you play hard and you beat this team. That's but, awesome. Uh, great Isn't city. How like um like there used to be a rule, I don't know if it's still in that hockey players can't hang out in the hotel bar. They can go no, anywhere else. They can don't, you usually don't. I yeah. Mean, but those even now the days are over. The guys, you know, it's it's just a different brand. Right. You know, you want to have fun, you have your green light, you know, maybe you got you know you tell them go you want them to have fun as players and enjoy right. each other and that's how you bond with each other and uh you know when they do their team yeah. team rookie parties and all stuff you want them but make sure you're responsible yeah the next day i mean our chicago team we had a great time together i mean yeah. the, the kids had a really good time i mean i remember like bufflin texted me are you guys at tootsies and we we're like yeah i don't come here <laughs> <laughs> well that's what i mean like the hotel bar rule and at least yeah. when i covered florida yeah. was because that that was for the coaches yeah. and the gm you can go anywhere else but they could ask yeah. you know when i was assistant coach with the hawks they'd text me where are you guys at and i said we're here so do not come here and they go, thank you <laughs> i mean that's what it's all about like, they're gonna play guilty the next day and that, that's why we won yeah a tight team yeah uh somebody asked um your favorite player that you coached on the wild and your favorite player that you've oh, coached that that those are tough ones yeah those are tough ones i mean there, there's it, it, those are tough i don't want anyone to put in that spot yeah but i mean uh you know i know one player you did respect with spurgy though right yeah. Oh, granny yeah, yeah. Gran you, you made the remember granny, that granny yep. granny and to me is um what guys when they finally get it after five six years mm -hmm. get their role that's why he's got an a in his shirt you know yeah uh, I just, you know, had them in the American League. You know, when you see them in the American League and then they grow up to be where they're at and they got an A in their shirt, it's even that much better. But, uh, you know, you know, you know, Chicago, Caner's probably one of the hottest workers. I, but but that's all he was, was mm -hmm. just worked. And uh, I never seen guys take pride in morning skates like they did. Like, you could watch our morning skate and not see one pass miss. Mm -hmm. Teams used to come out and watch us. But, uh, uh a lot of players, man. Yeah. A lot of players. Still, like Marco played. Bo Meese, one of the best ones. Bo was with us. Yep. Bo and Rhino. So we yep. had them both in yep. Florida. Mike Van Ryan and Bo Meester. What do both of them do? They mm -hmm. send me a picture immediately. And I'm like, why were they thinking about, you know what I mean? Yep. It's just a, that's that's the part that you love. And, you know, yeah. Cowboys coaching in St. Louis. Yeah. And just so many guys. Uh, I've been lucky. Yeah. You know, okay, St. Louis. Look at St. Louis. Yep. Dud signed them. Yep. He was the lowest paid player in the league yep. in 98, coming out at lowest paid. Yep. And then he finishes up whatever. So those are the stories. Yep. Like, now coaching the Canadians. Yeah, but, I mean, yep. that's what it's all about. I mean, yep. and, and, and that's why you coach the game, to teach. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, winning this game against Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spurge is breaking Nick Schultz's record tonight for games played. It's pretty awesome. I uh, think it just the overall everything. Staffs talking to each other. You know, Yosi's yeah. been there. I've been there. Ch but just seeing everybody. Yeah. Trainers, uh, you know, coaches. Brownwell, yeah. yeah. The only one I haven't seen is Darby yet. Looking forward to seeing him. But uh, Tony, you know, just, just everybody. Yeah. You know, it, it's you can tell it's still oh Joe O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. That's you know Joey stuck with us through everything down there. And he finally gets the radio job. Yeah, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and he's from Philly. He's yeah. all in oh, heaven oh, right oh, now. Yeah, don't worry, here you got my tickets. <laughs> so that was a, that was a given. Now I got He's going to reciprocate when we come to Mini because I'm going to have yeah. uh, my girlfriend up there with uh, her yeah. family stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah, they're from Woodbury, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That, that took you to Lake Elmo Inn. Yeah. Uh, both I of you guys it. last time I, we did hey, the pod. Great restaurant. Yep. Great restaurant. Well, hey, uh, Torch, this was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll see you when Philly comes to town. I'm covering the GMs meetings for the Athletics, oh, okay. so and that's uh, I'll miss the probably the Avalanche uh, Wild game and the uh, the well, Flyers. You miss me in St. Paul's. I know, <laughs> I know. So I, I get out of buying you dinner the night before. Oh, that's there. all right. So, we'll, uh, up. we'll we'll yep. probably see you yep. this summer anyway. We'll be yep. in Woodbury. Last thing, Zach. For old times' sake, his wife is a huge John Trochetti fan. He, she just wants you to hear say for old times' sake, pin an A on Spurgy. She loves when you say that. Oh. Pin an A on Spurgy, even though he's a great captain. <laughs> Thanks, bud. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Well, thanks to John Trichetti for joining me in this week's edition of Straight from the Source. If you missed his last podcast on Straight from the Source as well, that was a sit-down actually at my house in Minnesota. It was a really cool sit-down, a much longer one about all things uh, in his career, the Minnesota Wild, all that. Um, if you haven't heard that one, just go back in our archives. Huge, huge week for the Minnesota Wild. As I mentioned, they're in Philadelphia tonight. They play in Buffalo on Friday night. This is a team that's lost uh, four straight, six out of their last seven, and they better get their act together. It's just unbelievable the way they've distanced themselves from both the Colorado Avalanche, but also how much closer the teams behind them uh, in the wild card race and teams outside the playoff threshold have gotten to them. So they better get their act together. They have a two-game homestand coming up against the Dallas Stars and the New York Rangers, then head out on the road again to play in Detroit and Columbus next week uh, before starting a a nine-game homestand against the Nashville Predators on Miko Koivu night. That's when he gets his number nine raised to the rafters. Again, a 5 p.m. ceremony. It should be awesome. So many former Wild players are coming into town as, of course, Miko's family as well. You will love it, and you will love next week's podcast that Miko Koivu is on and the article that I write with it. Um, great podcasts throughout our, uh, our, our athletic platform, as you know. Uh, this week, JT Comfer, the Colorado Avalanche, joined Sean Chantilly and Sean Shapiro on the Athletic Hockey Show USA and NHL player agent Dan Melstein. You've heard from a lot lately. Uh, he joins the roundtable with Rob Pizzo and Sarah Sivian and Jesse Granger on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating and review. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. As always, thanks to my producer, Jeff Domet, and special thanks to Chris Flannery for helping out with the additional audio this week. Um, from Jared Spurgeon um, and uh, Mike Yo and Rick Bronwell and uh, I believe Nick Schultz and uh, I think hopefully you uh, love that and read the article as well and again Miko Koivu is our guest on next week straight from the source talk to you next week everybody mm-hmm.